Hello, Hyrock. Welcome to our daily devotional. Dr. Scott Rice is with us today as we continue our walk through the book of Exodus. And we are right now in the midst of the Ten Commandments. We're moving now from yesterday where we talked about murder, do not murder, to now do not commit adultery. We are going to be in Exodus 2014 and then continuing in Matthew 5. And uh, Scott, if you'd read that for us, that'd be wonderful. Exodus chapter 20, verse 14 you must not commit adultery. This is the word of the Lord. And we're going to continue on into Matthew. Matthew 5, 27 to 28. You have heard the commandment that says, you must not commit adultery. But I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Well, it's going to go to verse 30. Go ahead. Three times now. Here we go. <laughs> so if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your hand, even your stronger hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. This is the word of the Lord. <laughs> Thanks be to God. So uh, Jesus gets into here, he expands in the same way that he did with the command about murder. He expands on this idea of adultery, about what the, the real in, intent uh, behind God's law is and, and how there's the spirit behind it. And uh, I, he uses this kind of very uh, famous, now famous um, uh, example of like, you know, cutting off your hand or gouging out your eye, which seems rather extreme. And there seem to be some historical cases where people have taken uh, Jesus literally here and cut off something that led them to sin. Uh, I don't think that that's what Jesus intends here. And I'm not trying, just trying to soften the words of Jesus, but, but rather just culturally, they often spoke metaphorically and, and anthropomorphically. And so uh, there's this idea of, of you're using the image of your hand, your eye, your feet. Uh, the idea is that if what you look at causes you to sin, then, then live as if you don't have eyes. Don't look at it. If, if your hand, what you do causes you to sin, then, then don't do that thing anymore. If your foot causes you to sin, then, you know, if, in other words, where you go causes you to sin, then just don't go to those places anymore. Live as if you don't have those capacities so that you don't lead yourself into a uh, temptation that's going to draw you in. I, I, I think of an example for me, there was when uh, I was a younger man, there was a, uh, a route that I would, I could go home, but there was a particular store there that sold particular kinds of magazines. And i you know, I decided I just didn't want to have that temptation. And so I would take a route home that was five minutes longer. It doesn't seem like that much. But on a daily basis, when you want to get home really quickly, that five minutes seems like a, can seem like a burden sometimes. But for me, that was an important step in, in following what Jesus is inviting us to here. And, and why is this so important? Like, you know, if there's a top 10 list of principles for faithful living of how we relate to God and how we relate to other people, why does this particular command make the top 10 list? Why is God so set on this particular kind of instruction? And we're, it's not spelled out for us in so many words, but this idea of faithfulness in contrast to I, uh, adultery comes up so many times as an image of how Israel related to God in the Old Testament and how we relate to Jesus in the New. In fact, Ephesians 5, the, probably the most famous passage on uh, God's vision for what marriage is to look like, it ends with Paul saying, 
that what we have here is actually a mystery, that there's a way in which the marriage relationship is kind of a window into the type of relationship that Jesus has with the church, that Jesus has with us. And, and God is a faithful God. Jesus is faithful. And so in order to uh, follow Jesus faithfully, we also need to be faithful people, uh, maybe even especially in our relationships with one another, and especially when we make a vow before God and before witnesses to be faithful to one another. There's also a famous scene in the Old Testament where God explains to people that they are that their prayers are not being answered because they have not been faithful to the wives of their youth. In other words, men in positions of power had um, basically shut their wives out and and used their power as a, as a, a license to. Um, be unfaithful to their wives. And God said, well, you know what? I'm not going to listen to you then. If you're not going to value uh, my daughters, right? If you're not going to value my daughters, uh, I'm not going to value your requests and your words. And so how we treat one another often has direct implications for, for how God will respond uh, to us. And I think it certainly has a, an effect on who we are as people. It's very difficult to grow to be more like Jesus if we're not willing to be faithful to one another. For me personally, I came from a broken home. I came from a home uh, where my parents, I was the eldest of three boys and um, uh, my parents were uh, separated when I was nine, divorced when I was 12. And this was an experience that wrecked me in a lot of ways. And and so when I grew up, I, it was very attractive to me to become part of a community that, that valued faithfulness, even when faithfulness might come at a high cost. And, and if I was going to find someone to marry, uh, it, it seemed like the church was a wonderful place to do that because I wanted to be with someone who similarly valued faithfulness to say that, you know, we're, we're going to do the hard, the hard thing of of prioritizing God, prioritizing our relationship with God, and and be willing to examine our own selfishness, our own self-centeredness, our own uh, sinful proclivities, whatever it might be that gets in the way of living lives that are faithful to each other and faithful to God. So that was a really important thing for me. And I think in more in general, I think if we are going to um, tell people in the world that God is faithful, that Jesus is faithful, then a lot of the weight of our words in, in, in sharing this message is going to hinge on us being people who are faithful as well. If we're not people who are faithful in our words, faithful in our actions, why would they have, why would people outside have any reason to believe that God is going to be faithful um, either? Anyway, Scott, I'm wondering what you yeah. see here and, and maybe what are some of your own insights into uh, what this command says and, and what Jesus makes of this command? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Pastor John, I just I, I really appreciate like the way that you have seen and you know the positive vision around relationships. That's that's at the heart of both the commandment and then the way that Jesus calls us to live out this commandment. Um, and then also that this has application to uh, you know obviously to marriage and to married life. And for those who are watching this and are married, there's some there's some very like easy takeaways here about a deeper devotion and commitment and love to the other. Um, but then uh, the way that you have you've said that this is something we can all find you know wisdom through that this is like a there's a call here to everyone. I love that. I think about you know you've spoken you've spoken a little bit to how Jesus. Uh, works with this commandment and sees to its application. I'm thinking a bit, I'll take us back a little to the to Exodus 20. And uh, there's a contrast here that I see going on in this commandment between like the way that Israel's life was before the Exodus happened, when they were under the power of Pharaoh, and they were in this 
this this world where they were just being exploited, right? They were being used for uh, so that Pharaoh could be as productive and as possible and could accumulate as much as possible with disregard for the other. And here we have this alternative vision in the simple command, right? It's just, this is throughout the commandments. But even if we just take our commandment here, don't commit adultery. It's this idea of saying like the other person is not simply there for your own gain. The other person is a limit, is a check on who you are that will help you to to love, to be responsible, the kind of things that like, if we ask, what's a really good society like? What's a really good community like? What's a really good small group like? It's one where there's deep commitment and respect and seeing the others as like, as opportunities for us to, to love and to experience God as children of God, as people who bear God's image. So there's this way I just, I read this commandment. I see obviously like it, it, it gives guidance and instructions for what, a, for what a healthy marriage would look like at a very basic level, of course. But it also like shows us how others are never just means to an end, right? They're always like the people that we might even simply disregard or look the other way, right? Those are people that have something to say to us, that can have something to say to us about who God is and what we should do. Um, John, let me put something back kind of kind of to you here and ask like, you know, is there anything about this kind of, uh, actually, if it's all right, let me look at kind of intimate relationships. This could be marriage, it could be a different relationship, but like, I do think, you know, there's something about this commandment that calls to like fidelity and this kind of micro scale, right? And between a, in, in a marriage relationship. And, and they're supposed to be a good in that. And I can see the good in that being that like in that exclusivity, there's intimacy, right? But ex exclusivity is not like, you know, that's a, that's a tricky trigger word within our, uh, within our context. I'm curious if you kind of see a bit of the, the positive vision and the kind of, you could talk to the marriage relationship here, but maybe there's a broader application about this intimacy, this deep connection um, that's part of faith life, part of a community. I, I I don't really know. I mean, there's a number of ways that this could factor in with uh, the way we've been created physically and the, the need to um, have children and raise them together as a couple, uh, a lot of things like that. I, I think maybe on um, kind of a spiritual formation level, I think there is a way in which, you know, we human beings, we're, we're limited creatures and um, it's, it's difficult often to engage emotionally with the, abs the abstract. Like, you know, the world is an abstract. The, the nation is an abstract. Uh, the, the church even is an abstract. And it's, it's difficult to connect with it at an emotional level, a way that it moves us. Except I think the way we do eventually learn to emotionally connect with those kinds of abstracts is by lear learning to love one person first, you know, maybe as a child, you learn to the love of your, of your parents. And, and through that special connection, you begin to learn how to love other people, or uh, perhaps in a marriage and in this kind of faithfulness, learning this difficult and challenging, but rewarding kind of faithfulness can be a way that we can then apply that more generally, you know, we, in, in child development, we talk about generalization and the ability to generalize. And uh, we talk about that with, uh, especially with kids with autism, they have difficulty generalizing experiences, moving it from the small to the large. But I think for most of us, the way we learn to emotionally connect with larger realities is by learning them in small places first, and then experiencing them 
uh, deeply there, perhaps in, in, in being a child, perhaps in being a, a husband or a wife or having a deep friendship with somebody. Through that kind of connection, we begin to understand kind of the depth and riches of other people. And we have that emotional experience can, that then can be applied more generally to um, larger groups, our, you know, our, our community, our school, our, our, our workplace, our, our, our world. And we can begin to connect emotionally with those as well. But I don't think we can start by emotionally connecting yeah. with things. And so I think maybe God starts here with very small relationships where he starts with, you know, honor your father and mother and then, you know, be faithful to your spouse, that these are kind of bedrock things that will affect and transform for better or for worse, will transform a community by how we connect with them. That, that's my total guess. That's just my sense of, I'm not pulling this out of scripture. That's just kind of my sense of uh, how things might be working out here. I don't know. What's your answer? Well, I, I, I think you're, I, I'm, let's just say this. I'm, I'm with you in what you've said in that. I, I especially believe that we, 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 we follow God's will. We do the good, not simply by just like having a, a this, you know, great amount of knowledge about, and then all this and all this wisdom so that we can make the right choices. But as we're formed, as we make small decisions that end up having a much bigger impact on us. So it's like, I actually struggle with thinking about the application of today's devotional because I have two things in mind. Like one is like, clearly like there's this way in which God is looking to protect the vulnerable through, uh, through this, the way we respect one another. So I'm like, should we be thinking a bit about, you know, who are, who are the people in our world that we feel a tug towards being involved in, 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 in bringing about care and concern and greater opportunity, right? And that can be really grand. And yet I also think there's an application here for us to think, you know, who is just somebody who I could look by today and not see as someone who could speak to me, right? I just know I've got goals and ambitions today, uh, things I want to get done. And there's a lot of people that I could just go right by in the process of that. Maybe this call to this, this, this kind of care and love to the other could get me to pause and to, and, and to, and to look into a deeper investment and in relationship with someone. Well, with that in mind, I would love it if you would uh, close us in prayer with those concerns and bring them to God. Uh, gracious God, uh, you are the one who can guide us and give us wisdom about how we would proceed and love you. Help us to honor you with our lives and to experience your goodness in community with others and community with you as we look to see your face in the faces of others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, Scott, thank you for joining us today. Everyone, thank you for being with us today as we continue through the book of Exodus and here are the Ten Commandments. Uh, and just as an encouragement, I, I hope that you're able to have a greater appreciation for the faithfulness of God, especially the faithfulness of God demonstrated through Jesus Christ, the way that God loves us through Jesus. So go in peace. <laughs>